Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 2nd, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, breaking news edition. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC with my small fringe with unacceptable views. Yes, I also am proud to be a part of that small fringe minority. And boy, have we got a show for you today, Canada. Breaking news, Aaron O'Trudeau is no more. The tale of two convoys. Which one are you watching? Uh, trouble at the border in Alberta. And more. Where do we start, sir? Well, let's uh, let's let's start with the tale of two convoys. Absolutely. Now, depending on which news sources you choose to go to, there's really two completely different convoys, uh, freedom convoys, going on in Ottawa. Now, if you follow the left wing media, they are a bunch of Yes, a small fringe minority holding unacceptable views and a bunch of white nationalists, racist, misogynist, who knows what else they are, Nazis. Um, God, I'm not sure what other, other pins we can put on them. But if you look at the independent media, the True Norths and the Toronto Suns of the world, it's actually a peaceful protest. People are friendly, cleaning up their own messes, and it's a winter carnival. Yeah, we've got the Freedom Convoy and the Nazi Convoy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably a good way to put it. Now, yeah, uh, I mean, even, even the Americans are noticing the difference in reporting. I mean, you've uh, I, I watched a, a segment by Tucker Carlson last night where he showed the difference between the reporting uh, in Canadian um, media. And like he actually played clips from everyone from CBC to Global to uh, uh, Rebel and, uh, and showed how, how different the reporting was. And he even showed clips from CNN and how CNN is towing the CBC line. And uh, it, was, uh, it was quite depressing, I, I, I'll say. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's really sad that the leftist media, which is most of the mainstream media in Canada, those who are on the government dole, they've taken bailout money, and they're all towing the exact same line that this is the Nazi convoy. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate because like Andrew Lawton, uh, who's with True North, actually went to Ottawa and he uh, actually immersed himself into the, the people that were protesting at Parliament Hill and actually talked to people and interviewed people and didn't just take pictures from his office overlooking the uh, Parliament Hill and has a completely different different outlook. Yeah, it's it's um, it's quite fascinating when you watch CBC or CTV. Um, you uh, you get this very distorted um, and inaccurate view of what's going on, and and here's the reason. It's because every single reporter that you see on TV, on CBC and CTV, they always say this. I'm not on Parliament Hill, but I'm about six blocks away. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and, and the only ones that are actually going down to Parliament Hill and being with... with for lack of a better term, boots on the ground are the independent media. And so, I mean, you can't trust anything the CBC and, and CTV are saying. And, and, the, and, and here's the thing, like, I mean, granted, even Tucker Carlson got some of the basic facts wrong and that, and that kind of pisses me off, you know, like when, when someone is going on and on about how, uh, media is getting facts wrong and they themselves are getting some facts wrong it's it's not good um, but, uh, but but the thing is is that 
there's a narrative that is being pushed, and it's and it started with um, Jagmeet Singh and his tweet on uh, on Saturday. There on Saturday afternoon, he made that tweet about how the conservative MPs are um, backing a convoy full of. Um, or being led by white supremacists and people who believe that Islam is a disease. And um, when we reported on that, we said, you know, like this is something he should be resigning over. Like this is this is something that should enrage Canadians, um, whether you support the convoy or not. I mean, what he said was completely unacceptable you want to talk about unacceptable views that is an unacceptable view um when you take one or two or three people in a crowd of you know 10 to twenty thousand, and you use the actions of the those you know let's see 10 or less people to paint the entire group with um, you are the source of misinformation and you should maybe play by your own rules and get cancelled I mean I'm, I'm the left is, has created the rules but they're not living by the rules and the uh, the thing that that is really upsetting to me is how the corporate news media in this country and the other politicians have all picked up where Jagmeet Singh left off and have run with it. They have, and I'm actually not even going to give Jagmeet Singh as much credit as you have in that he you know, is springboarding off the actions of a few morons on Parliament Hill. I think Jagmeet Singh had this preconceived notion of this convoy long before anybody even showed up in Ottawa. And I think he disputed his vitriolic hate just off the top of his head. I don't think he even watched any footage. I don't think he even knew that there was any douchebags on Parliament Hill. I think he just decided, yep, this is a bunch of white supremacists and made his hateful tweet. No, I mean you're you're probably right. You're probably right, but I mean there had for for him to get away with that, there had to be you know you know a handful of people who acted poorly. Good point. And uh, and unfortunately, there were a handful of people who acted poorly. Now these people carry in the upside down Canadian flag with the Nazi symbol. Uh, you know written over top of the the maple leaf and people you know there were some uh swastikas spray painted on sidewalks or something like that uh they the media and justin trudeau have decided that those people are all nazis and nazi supporters um and i found it you know, quite fascinating that someone was able to twist th those actions into being Nazis themselves when what they were doing was saying that the Canadian government is acting like Nazis. And whether it's a false or false uh, comparison or if it's a stretch to make that comparison whether you believe that or not um, I think the same tactics are being used I, I'm never going to say that our government is acting like a Nazi government um, but they are using some of the same tactics in mind control over their populace um, and, and using the same tactics to create division and hate in their country um, that's what they were trying to say. They were trying to say this government is acting like the Nazi government of Germany in the 1930s. Um, whether you agree with it or not, that's what they were trying to say. They weren't trying to say that they support Nazis and, and, and are Nazis. Yep, you're absolutely right. And let's just go back to 2015 for a minute. 2015 was the year that Justin Trudeau became prime minister. During the campaign... At one of Justin Trudeau's public events, 
somebody showed up with the Canadian flag upside down with a swastika over, drawn over top of the maple leaf. And Justin Trudeau said to that man, sir, thank you for coming. Yeah. And what the man with the flag was trying to say was Stephen Harper was acting like a Nazi government, like the, the Stephen Harper government was acting like a Nazi government. Whether I agree with him or not, that's what he was trying to say. Yep. And in fact, liberal candidates even said Stephen Harper was literally Hitler. Yeah, well, and I mean, liberal liberal MPs were saying that for 10 years. Well, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, but see, for some reason, it's okay if liberals call everybody Nazis and say they're literally Hitler, but oh, the outrage should anybody suggest that Justin Trudeau is a dictator. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, like the liberals... And left-wingers in Canada and the United States have all written the rules by which we play this game. Uh, you say something that they don't like, you get cancelled forever. Uh, you lose your job. You get harassed. You get called all kinds of horrendous names. Um, a left-winger does the same thing, and like Whoopi Goldberg, and gets suspended for two weeks. And yet they even, um, there's the supporters that are even complaining that she shouldn't have even been suspended. Um, uh, I, in principle, believe she shouldn't have been suspended because everybody has a right to free speech, right or wrong. Um, uh, but I also don't believe that lots of other people should have been canceled, um, or that, Joe Rogan should be censored or then our show should be censored. Um, but that's because I believe in free speech. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is that we're not playing by the same rules. The left have written the rules, but they refuse to play by them. Yeah, that's true. And, um, as a side note, true North media actually, uh, has put out a bounty for anybody who can name, the swastika man they're calling him the dude that carried the swastika flag in, in, in Ottawa and so far that bounty is up to 6500 because they've had some donations to increase it and nobody has collected yet but what should be pointed out about swastika douchebag and also about confederate flag douchebag and we'll talk more about him in a minute but what we should point out is both of these morons were definitely not part of the of the protest because as soon as the the Freedom Convoy people saw them, they marched them the hell out of there. They did. In fact, the Confederate flag guy, there's video, up close video, of the other protesters telling them to leave, telling them to get out. Yep, that's right. And, then I and, and, and it's funny because the left-wing media and Trudeau we're saying that the other protesters should have should have told these people to leave. They should have denounced them and acting like they didn't. Yet, it's exactly what they did. Yep, that's right. And there was a gentleman on the Roy Green show this weekend uh, talking about the protest movement. He said that there's always going to be these rabble-rousers because they're paid rabble-rousers. And there was a... A, a close-up photo taken of Confederate flag douchebag, and his Confederate flag was brand new. It was still had the creases in it. And what this guy said is, well, you're likely to see this dude at the next protest as well with, you know, perhaps a different flag because they're just there to cause trouble. Yeah, that's true. And did you did you also notice that he was one of the only people there who covered his, his complete face? Yeah. That's right. Like, he did not want to be known. And and it's interesting because the Confederate flag dude also had uh, his own personal photographer. Yeah. Now, there was a story out there that perhaps that personal photographer also has another very famous client. And I can't authenticate that. I mean, I think the only similarity I can tell from that close-up is that both dudes have, have a, you know, both photographers have a beard, but I mean, when I looked at the close up, it's like, yeah, you know, I, 
really can't authenticate that this ph personal photographer might be working for somebody else. Yeah, and so um, everybody in this country knows who that somebody else is. We're not going to say who it is just for libel uh, reasons, but um, but if you you know go online, do some Google searches, and uh, and check it out, you'll see that uh, there's some very strong similarities between the the two uh, photographers who may be one. Yeah, that that's that's a good way to put it. Now, um, now let's look at the other side of the convoy. Yeah. We got the left wing side of the convoy, and I actually laughed out loud when I heard this interview with David Aiken. Uh, he he's with Global News, and he said, "Oh, I'm not even calling this a uh, a, a a trucker protest anymore. It's just a or a freedom convoy. It's just a protest convoy." He said, "There's." Only a, a a few trucks, but most of the people here are drove in SUVs and and pickup trucks. And I thought, are you actually this clueless? Most people, most truck drivers out there in Canada, I'm sure you all know this. Most truck drivers out there drive for somebody else. They drive for a company. They work for an owner operator. They don't own their own trucks. If I own a semi and you want to go to Wada Wada protest, I'm not just going to say, hey, take the semi. I'll, I'll, I'll drop a few grand in fuel and leave the truck sit not working while you're there. Go for it. Not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of these drivers uh, were there on their own time. They weren't taking company trucks. I mean, they'd probably get fired for taking the company trucks. Absolutely. Um, I not not to mention that yes, there were a lot of people there who were not truck drivers. In fact, the probably the majority of people there weren't truck drivers, because we all want our freedoms back. We want our uh, our regular daily life to go back to normal, and there's no reason for it not to. And that's, I mean, everybody was there because they want their freedoms back. They want they want normal life again. Yep, that's right. And that's actually something that Andrew Lawton had touched on when he uh, was there interviewing people. He said, yeah, he said, there are people here from all parts of the country. He said he met people from BC, from Yellowknife, from Newfoundland, and you know, all points in between. And that was the reason. Yeah, everybody was there because they said it's time to get rid of the mandates. It's time to get our freedom back. And I'm going to point this out again, Canada, because the leftist media absolutely will not acknowledge this. The Ottawa police still have reported no criminal and no violent incidents. And no arrests. And no arrests. That's right. Um, although if you listen to the left-wing media, uh, protesters ran past all the free food that was being handed out and stole a bunch from a homeless shelter. Not just stole it, they bullied the people at the homeless shelter to give it up. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, it's absolutely absurd, you know, and the re and I, th I actually think there's a reason for this. And I mean, the biggest reason is, of course, is that the, a lot of the leftist media are exactly what you said. They're six blocks away. They, they wouldn't even set foot anywhere near Parliament Hill where the protesters are because they're too good to be seen with the with, with the peasants. Yeah. And that's uh that's part of the theme I think that connects this is that it was something Dan Bongino had said on his show today actually which kind of tripped in my mind and he what he said was the, the the left doesn't know who we are but we know who the left is. We of course being the libertarians, conservatives and people on the right. And I thought that was a good point because the leftist media, they are in their, their office six blocks away from Parliament Hill and they spend their time retweeting each other, talking to each other, hanging out with each other, and it ends up being an echo chamber. Consider that Justin Trudeau's wedding party, all of his groomsmen either have been or are currently 
in his cabinet. He surrounded himself with people who think exactly like him. Now, you and I, and this is painful, but you and I actually watch CBC. We watch CTV. We read the Globe and Mail. We look at the Toronto Star because we want to be able to bring Canadians uh, both perspectives on on the stories that we discuss, or at least have those perspectives. But the left doesn't do that. The left sits in their echo chamber, and they actually believe all the BS they're telling each other because they don't hear anything else. So you'll get Jagmeet Singh saying, oh, look at these people who believe in the superiority of the white bloodline, and the lapdogs in the media will say, oh, yeah, all oh, those rotten rednecks out there, look at those stupid racists. Because they actually don't know the truth because they're too lazy to get out there and actually go talk to some of these people. Yeah, and if you dare have a different opinion, they they advocate for you to be cancelled so that nobody can hear you, including them. So they never hear other perspectives. Yeah, that's absolutely true, yeah. And like in Justin Trudeau's case, I actually believe that Justin Trudeau believes that the majority of Canadians are all hard-left climate activists like he is because he has never been fed anything different. No, you're absolutely right. I, I believe that that him, along with you know Jagmeet Singh and uh, their MPs and, and even their supporters, I think, all believe that 90% of Canadians agree with them. Yeah, and, and they're all—it's like they're always shocked and um, brought to the verge of tears when they see that thirty-four percent of the people voted conservative. Like they just can't believe it. They don't understand. They—they're—you know—they—they—they—they're just um, almost hysterical in their in their shock. Yeah, well, it's it's that it's that whole Laurentian elite thing that uh, that we talk about on the show a lot. I mean, they they all tend to live in that Laurentian triangle, and again, they they tend not to leave. So they like Ottawa itself is a big bubble, and even media types that I've talked to who have been or still work in Ottawa will admit that that is that it is a bubble and it is an echo chamber unto itself, yeah. and unfortunately. Yeah, these guys who are at the top, they, uh, they've they become elitists, and it really should be hurting the NDP, but it doesn't. And that's the one thing I'll actually give Aaron O'Toole credit for, and I know we'll get to him in a little bit. But he reached out in the election to some of the, uh, the blue-collar trade unions to say, hey, the NDP doesn't really speak for you anymore. And he was right. He, yeah. No, he absolutely was right. I mean, they don't speak for, uh, you know, the working class anymore. Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious when the leader of this of this party is walking around with a, you know, $10,000 watch and custom suits and, uh, you know, and his, his wife is given free gifts and, and all of this. I mean, like, they, you think that they even have an iota of understanding what a, what a working class person goes through, they don't. Well, they, he's, he's an elitist. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to think that, that he would have had a, even half a clue when he got gifted a $1,900 recliner. And when I th- looked at, look at the chairs in my living room and think, I, I don't know what a $1,900 recliner looks like, but I know that my my sectional couch was a hundred bucks on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, well, just go, <laughs> just, just go to uh, his wife's Twitter account. You'll see what a nineteen hundred dollar rocking chair looks like. <laughs> um, the, uh, the the I mean, there's there's this thing happening in politics where um, the left has their supporters convinced that they. That they're, that they're fighting the good fight for them. And yet, it's the people on the left that are just... Um, I mean, look at all... Look at look at the majority of, of the politicians around the world that got busted having parties and all of this during, during 
like the hardest lockdowns of the pandemic. And the majority of them are, are left wing politicians. Um, the number of the, 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 I mean, look at it in Canada here, the, the, Prime Minister. He's a left-wing Prime Minister. He's the only Prime Minister to uh, ever be found guilty of contravening ethics like uh, uh, rules. And we've got the leader of the NDP getting caught for uh, uh, conflict of interest. Um, you've got uh, um, you know high-up politicians in the Democrat Party in the U.S. who um, are obviously guilty of uh, insider trading um, or they entered politics, you know, with, you know, just uh, as a normal middle-class person and they now are worth a couple hundred million dollars um, and it's all from stocks. Well, I just wonder how the hell that happened. Um, I mean, like, just stuff like this. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's going on in this country and uh, in the U.S. and around the world. It, it just, it's like the, it's the left is playing. They've got rules for everyone else, but they don't refuse to play by them, or they, they refuse to play by them, which is the same as the free speech um, rules that they've written, right? Like, uh, you contravene them if you have any kind of right-wing ideology and you get cancelled, but if a left-winger says something stupid, like Whoopi Goldberg, they, uh, you know, oh, we'll slap her on the wrist. Yeah, the the rules really don't apply to them. That's uh, that they are they are pretty special that way. So. Yeah. So now let's let's get to the big news of the day, and probably the biggest reason why people are even listening to, to this episode, and and that is that Aaron O'Trudeau, sorry, Aaron O'Toole, uh, was just removed as leader of the Conservative Party of Canada with a roughly 70% vote by caucus members to remove him. Hallelujah, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, you won't find me shedding a tear to say goodbye to Aaron O'Toole. I was thrilled when you phoned me with the news because I had not heard it at that point. There was a petition or a, a letter signed by 35 MPs who wanted to trigger this this review of his leadership. And I believe the final number was 74 MPs voted to uh, to kick him out the door. That's right. Yeah. And it, it's... I'm, I'm very happy about this. I feel bad for Aaron O'Toole um, because he wasn't leader very long. He had one shot at it. Uh, but... He is the author of his own demise. Yeah, and for that reason, I don't feel sorry for him. Because, I mean, I uh, I did after the election say, you know what, he he did achieve some of his objectives as far as growing the number of votes in Ontario and Quebec, but he did it by yanking the party so hard to the left that you and I didn't recognize it by the time the campaign was over. He no, flip-flopped no. on key issues that actually meant something to conservatives, and he's done nothing but flip-flop sense. I mean, you can't pin him down on anything. I, I listened to him talk to anybody in the media. He won't give a position on anything, so I don't feel bad for him at all. You, you're right. He has authored his own demise. Yeah, well, I mean, and yesterday he he even came out and said, "Look, I'd be willing to change some of my policies if it means I get to stay as <laughs> the leader." Well, yeah. Aaron, like that, the irony is so thick you could cut it with a knife. I mean, your willingness to change policies is exactly why you lost the leadership. Exactly right. Yeah, it's like he just doesn't get it. No. And I mean, and I, and the reason I feel bad for him is because he is a really nice guy. Um, he, and he, you know, he did serve this country as a soldier. He is, um, he's a great Canadian that way. Um, and, and he's a really great guy. He's a good family man, all of that. And, uh, um, he's, but, but he, he's just, he has no conviction, none. 
Well, and then that and that goes back to the whole thing about being part of that elite. Like, yeah, he is a really nice guy. You're right. When he came, when I got to meet him here in Saskatoon, he, yeah, he was very down home. He was excellent talking to people one-on-one. He's the kind of guy you'd love to have over at your house for a barbecue, but he's not the kind of guy I want to have running the country. No, no. And I mean, we said that before he was elected um, as the leader of the Conservative Party, that, that he's, I mean, when he was running for the leadership, he was running as a true blue conservative. Um, he even was appealing to the uh, social conservatives in the party. Um, and then, uh, and then when the, the general election came around, uh, suddenly we were as red as the liberals. I mean, he's, he's a, um, his, the, the conservative playbook during the election had very little difference from the liberal party, uh, campaign book now the problem is uh besides that is that any differences that were there between the two uh policy books from the liberals and the conservatives o'toole decided to just change and match them up perfectly with the liberal policies halfway through the election without without consulting anyone yeah, that's right. I mean, and, and of course, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of the firearms policy yep. off the top of my head. He changed that one during the news conference. Yeah, a reporter asked him about it, and you could almost see him lick his finger and stick it in the air because he he paused for a second and said, "No, we support the gun, uh, the, the the assault rifle ban." And the way he worded it, you could say, okay, well, he he supports the 1972 legislation that banned, um, like, fully automatic weapons. And, uh, but, and, and that's, and that's the narrative, like, not the narrative, that's, that's the, that's the way conservatives understood it. Right, we understood it as him saying, "Oh yeah, of course the the he he uh, he supports that 1970, I believe it's 1972, 1972 legislation that banned fully automatic weapons. Of course he does." And he was saying it, and, and I figured he was saying it that way just to make it sound like uh, he like just to kind of appease some on the fence voters, right? Um, but he actually meant that he supported Trudeau's ordering council banning some 1,500 different makes um, and models of uh, semi-automatic rifles that have now expanded to almost 2,000 um, that include some bolt actions, some shotguns, uh, and some even a single shot rifle that you have to manually load each round in. Um, so all of these, uh, he he actually changed on a dime and said that he now supports this ordering council that they would keep that ban in place, and that was. And when he said that, the conservatives were ahead by like nine points in the polls. They were in; they were on the verge of majority. And when he said that, the polls started shifting, and they started shifting very quickly because a week later they were in a dead heat with the liberals because they lost like five percent in a uh, like five points in a week and almost every last one of those uh polling points went to the ppc the people's party and i can guarantee you that those five points were almost all of them licensed gun owners 
Oh, very likely. I mean, he flip-flopped on CBC, and before the election even started, he flip-flopped on carbon tax. He had signed a pledge with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation while running for leader of Conservative Party, stating that he would not only eliminate Trudeau's carbon tax, but he would not implement one of his own, and then decided that, oh, not only am I going to implement my own carbon tax, I'm going to implement it with the exact same numbers that Justin Trudeau currently has. And it's like, okay, so uh, when we're starting to say you're liberal light, but no, he was actually liberal. It wasn't liberal light. He was just liberal. Yeah, well, and it was one of those things where you're like, well, what's the point in voting for him? We've already got that in office. Well, I think you had made that point even during the campaign that the more he tried to make himself like Trudeau, the more voters in the East would say, well, we've already got Trudeau. Exactly. And so if you're not giving them anything different to vote for, nobody's going to vote for you. And that, that happened. I mean, yeah, they got a few new voters in Ontario and Quebec, but they sacrificed voters in uh, Alberta and B.C. Well, and they lost voters in the 905, which was where they were hoping to make big gains. And yeah. he is... Well, Michelle Rumpelgarner was actually doing an interview with... Oh, was it Evan Solomon, I believe, last night? And, of course, she was she was upset because she didn't want to be talking about Aaron O'Toole and the leadership question. So I'm really curious as to where she is today now because she did an about-face and actually supported Aaron O'Toole after the election. So I'm uh, I'm kind of curious where she fell down in this, in this vote today. Yeah, that's interesting. Um I know that she was coming out against the leadership review. I just, I, I just, um, uh, I would be interested in knowing how she voted today for sure. Yeah. So now it's, it's early on, but already there is two MPs who have expressed interest in becoming the interim leader of the party. Now, uh, you had pointed out talking to me today earlier when you'd phoned me that whoever does become the interim leader can't run for the full-time leadership position. So it's, I find it interesting that already we've got Calgary MP Tom Kemick and a New Brunswick MP John Williamson have both already stepped up and stated that they are interested in being that interim leader. Yeah, and uh, so you know that they... Um they won't be able to to run for the leadership. So, I mean, it makes sense that people that are relatively unknown um, uh, would want to increase their profile for a future run at the leadership. Um, the, I would, I mean, the, the natural person to be chosen as the interim leader would be Candace Bergen because she's the deputy leader. Um, so it would be a fairly easy transition for her to, to become the interim leader. But if she is planning on running for the leader, you'll see that someone else will be picked. Um, I personally, I would love to see Pierre Poiliev, obviously. I mean, I think, I think if Pierre Poiliev is the leader, the, the, the conservatives win a majority in the next election. Uh, and I think it's it'll be a sizable majority because I know a lot of people who would not vote conservative who would who would definitely vote for Pierre Polyev. Yeah. Oh, I could not agree more. I mean, I've had a man crush on him for quite some time, and I actually got to meet him too here in Saskatoon, and he is just the exact same in person as you see him on his his youtube videos in the house of commons like he's he's sharp he's witty he's on point and pulls no punches i mean the guy's awesome he is yeah and 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 i find it interesting because he is a true blue conservative yet uh middle of the road like Voters that are, you know, fence sitters, even some uh, liberal voters I know would vote for him. They like him. They, they're like, the guy is really smart. He's got convictions. He's, um, he's very well spoken. Uh, and, and people, people just like him. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. Now, 
I want to go back to interim leaders for a second because as, as much as they are a placeholder, interim leaders actually can be very effective. I just think of Rana Ambrose. She was relatively unknown until she became the interim leader of the Conservatives after Stephen Harper, and she was an absolute rock star. So by no means is interim leader you know, a, uh, a nothing position. No, exactly, and that's what I was saying, right? That they, it makes sense that if they ever want to make a run at the leadership in, in, down the road, that they would, uh, uh, you know, raise their profile by becoming the interim leader. Um, yeah. I would be interested. I would be interested in seeing whether Rona Ambrose uh, makes a return and tries to run for leader. Wow, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, I just, but here's the thing. I just hope that the, this conservative leadership does not turn into the six-month-long uh, leadership race that the last one was. Um, these party leadership races in at every level, I mean, the B.C. liberal leadership race right now, everything, they just go for way too long. They just go on and on and on. I mean, the, the B.C. liberal leadership race has been going on since like, the, the beginning of the summer. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Like this is, they got to get this stuff out of control. Let's have a three month leadership race. Have a series of debates and let's get a vote. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I mean, obviously, it, this all just happened today, so there's nobody officially expressing interest in the job of leader at this point in time. But I mean, I'm I'm with you that Pierre Polyev would be a, a hands down favorite if he chose to run. I know Marilyn Gladue was approached to ask if she'd be running again, and she did say she was interested, but didn't really, uh, you know, reveal any more cards than that. So it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know who would be the next one. Like, obviously, Pierre Polyev would be the person I would want, but I think there's there's a few other good heavy hitters in the in the party that, that could make a difference. Well, I, I'm... I... I wouldn't be surprised if Michelle Rempel Garner puts her name forward. Um, I don't think she would be a good leader at this point. I think that, uh, and I've said this before, I don't like how she pulls the victim card uh, every so often. Um, that, you know, she accuses people of saying things only because she's a woman. Um, I, it's it's not something that'll rub conservatives the right way, you know? Um, uh, and I think it would just rub, you know, voters in general the wrong way. Um, those kinds of, you know, victimhood uh, arguments that she makes once in a while. Um, I haven't heard her make one in a while, but, but you know, we all know that she does that. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Candace Bergen puts her name forward. Um, Maybe uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Who else might might put their name forward? I mean, those are the three that I that I have my my money on right now are uh, Candace Bergen, Michelle Rempelgarner, and um, Pierre Polyev. Uh, I could. I, I don't think Marilyn Gladue should really even give her um, waste her time. Uh, I see, you know, Leslin Lewis might put her name forward again. Um, I, I honestly, I hope she doesn't. I mean, I really, I like her. I just think that she just, she is a social conservative, and that's the last thing the conservatives need as a leader right now is a social conservative especially in this day and age when that just won't fly. It'll, she'll just be, she'll be labeled a misogynist and a, um, uh, a, a religious zealot and a, um, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they pull the Larry Elders, uh, uh, uh thing that the Americans, American media didn't call her the black face of white supremacy in Canada. Um, and yeah. it, would all just, it would all just come down to the fact that she's a, uh, a pro-life cons uh, uh, Christian. Yeah, and I thought about her, and you're right, they, I, they would 
try to say that she's some kind of a self-hater, uh, self-hating black woman. And yeah. I think that she, I think she would be good, but I, yeah, she might not be palatable as to, uh, to the average Canadian voter. Now, hear me out here. I would love it if Lisa Raitt would decide to make a comeback into politics. Um, she might not win, but boy, would she make it an interesting race. Oh, as would I. I mean, I, you know me, I love Lisa Raitt. I think she's fantastic. I, the times that I've met her and talked to her, I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation because she's a brilliant woman. Um, and she's a very accomplished woman. Um, and who has had to deal with some pretty horrible um, situations with her, with her husband, who's um, suffering from Alzheimer's. Uh, she has anybody who wants a prime minister who has empathy and uh, is probably willing to put the investments into areas like Alzheimer's and dementia um, and other mental health causes, uh, she's your girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you're right. She is intelligent. She's well-spoken. And she is the quintessential average Canadian. I mean, she grew up dirt poor in Cape Breton Island and she made herself into the person that she is now. I mean, she worked hard. She got herself educated. She got herself elected. I mean, everything she's accomplished in life, which is a lot. I mean, uh, the titles you could put in front of her name are longer than my arm and well, she's she, earned she, every she, one of them. Yeah. I mean, she's a lawyer. She was the CEO of the Toronto Port Authority um, and she became a cabinet minister in the federal government and a very, very um, competent and successful cabinet minister at that. Yeah, exactly. So it would, uh, geez, I wonder if maybe we shouldn't even just start a draft Lisa campaign. <laughs> well, <laughs> I want to know if Pierre is running or not uh, before I do that. <laughs> well. Good point. Yep, because he would he would be my first choice if he chose to run. In fact, I should email him because uh, the last time around, when the last leadership race, I'd emailed him asking him to run, and he actually replied to me. So that was kind of cool. And yeah. he obviously chose not to, but maybe he'll change his mind. Well, I, I you know I encourage our listeners to all email the MP that they would like to see run for the leadership, um, and if it's Pierre Poilievre, let's bombard him with emails of support. Yep. Pierre, your country needs you. Yeah, absolutely. We do. We need, we need Pierre Polyev more than we ever have. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Now we're getting up to our time here, but I do want to grab one more topic. We'll try and beat on it really quickly here. Cause it's important. And unfortunately the tension is building on this one. There is a blockade at the Canada U S border at the Coots, Alberta, Sweetgrass, Montana crossing, and it is starting to get a little ugly. Yeah, and that's that. This is what we did not want to have happen. Uh, this is this is one of those things where these these people these and I mean a lot of them are are drivers, are truck drivers. They need to stand down. I mean, the RCMP have said. You have an opportunity right now to get out before we start arresting people because they are blocking this this major route and it's causing a lot of problems, like big problems. And um, this is not what this was about. This was not about, you know, empty shelves. They're causing empty shelves. This is about the empty shelves that were that the government was causing. You are not supposed to be the source of the problem. Yeah, that's right. And what they've done, this is Alberta's busiest uh, U.S. border crossing. And what's happened is because they blockaded the crossing, drivers have had to reroute into uh, some into BC or else east into Saskatchewan to 
get themselves across the border. Now, the RCMP, as you said, they did start telling people, move it or you're going to start getting arrested. And then a secondary barricade that they, uh, the police had set up was breached by local farmers and other supporters. And now the ditches are full of tractors and other equipment for, for people coming in solidarity with the blockade. And the RCMP have now sent a tactical unit in. There's a helicopter there. This is not how this was supposed to go, people. No, and this is, and, and it's actions like this that will piss off the general public and you will no longer have their support. Um, this is, this is also how, uh, this also makes it very easy for the government and for officials to denounce what you're doing and to dismiss your concerns. I mean, if you want people to support, let the traffic through, don't stop your, your, uh, your, uh, demonstration, but let the traffic through. Yep. Absolutely right. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm in favor of their i'm not in favor of their action in favor of their cause i'm not in favor of their actions let's put it that way yeah absolutely all right canada uh, that was quick and dirty on the coots blockade but we've kind of had our time here so i think we'll leave it there uh thank you very much for joining us and we will definitely keep you up to date on the conservative party of canada leader situation and that little thing going on in ottawa and till next time, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.